Wow. Sometimes you've got to do it the hard way. Not an easy start to the race, but uh, we turn it around at the end. It's lights out and away we go. Charles Leclerc has the lead from Verstappen. George Russell gets tagged, but manages to stay on the track. And into the gravel goes Max Verstappen. At turn four, now passed by Russell and his teammate Perez. Max, info. The uh, DRS flap did not open last lap. Keep trying. That's a Ferrari going very slowly. That's Charles Leclerc. And he is out of the race. George Russell crosses the line. Max Verstappen's DRS is working. This is now a battle for the lead. Now Sergio Perez manages to clear that Mercedes and make his way into the lead of this race. Okay, you want a different strategy to Max if he's quicker in that three. That's very unfair, but okay. It has been very hot in the cockpit at times. The celebrations, though, will very much be welcomed by Max Verstappen and Red Bull as Verstappen wins the Spanish Grand Prix. That, ladies and gentlemen, was a Spanish Grand Prix, wasn't a it? A very Pete? hot one. My goodness. A hot and exciting one. There's a lot to break down. Welcome to F1 Nation, everybody, with me, Tom Clarkson, Natalie Pinkham. And I'm really delighted to say that joining us this week, we also have, now how do we introduce this man? Alex Wirtz, I think uh, three-time finisher on the podium in Formula One, GPDA chairman. Uh, Alex, brilliant race. Yeah, absolutely. So first, uh, thanks for having me. Very excited, uh, Tom and Natalie, to be with you guys and Damon coming. So I hope we can run a, a race here in Barcelona, which unfolded significantly better and much more interesting than we might have anticipated or we had in, in previous years. Uh, I mean, there was a, there's really a lot of things to discuss in here. Some of the nitty-gritty details, which give us indications on performance, on upgrades of the cars, on tire management. I mean, I don't know where to start, and I hope you have a long time where we will have the listeners here with us. Well, I hope you've got some kind of cover for your head, because we're about to get sprayed with a load of Red Bull, because we're in the Red Bull hospitality unit. They're all lining up behind us for the team photo, and they're shaking those cans pretty vigorously. And... Uh, but there's about to be an explosion of a high-energy drink. There is. We're quite good at getting ourselves in these post-race celebrations. <laughs> Pinks, what did you Slightly call it a minute ago? Well, it's the John Terry meme, isn't it? John the Terry John famously Terry. Uh, wriggled his way into uh, team photos that he perhaps didn't deserve to be in, and uh, I feel like we're doing the same. Now, well, look, while we're waiting for this team photo to take place, Alex, just tell us, was the Red Bull the fastest car today? They are deserved winners, uh, whilst... Um, um, of course, we had Charles Leclerc and a Ferrari in a perfect start, very aggressive. He moved over, but fair, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's really ramping up to be an exciting fight between those uh, teams and the, especially the two main rivals. He then had the race under control, but the speed and the tire consistency of Red Bull uh, was pretty impressive. And without the mishap on the DRS system, uh, I think they would have uh, gone for a pass and probably had a stronger race pace because they really ironed out the last sector instability with tyre overheating and that uh, um, was a strong performance of the Red Bull team. I have to say though, I do feel for Charles Leclerc because he's been strong all weekend. He was very calm, I have to say, in the pen afterwards. Because what, the last what did thing he you, say to you? Well, the, thing, the last thing you feel like in that moment is someone shoving a mic into your face and, and asking you about your frustrations of the DNF. But you're good at this. Well, you're good at this. And it's your job. I don't but, know about but, that. But what, how, what did he, he say? What was your first question it, to him? You know, I, I, I just fell for him because, you know, he, he's been incredibly strong all weekend. But straight away, he was looking for the positives. He said, yeah, of course, I've surrendered the lead in the championship. 
it's been a really tough day for the team, obviously with signs is off as well, with a gust of wind. And, but he was able to say, look, we've got so many positives to take in terms of the performance of this car. You know, we're really in this fight. The upgrades have worked really well. And, you know, the fight is on. Alex, I thought their tyre management, the tyre deck, they've clearly taken a step forward with that. They were the only team to run high fuel in the final practice session. If you could drive one of these two cars, we actually normally ask Damon this question, don't we? But would you like to be driving the Ferrari right now or the Red Bull? Whoever pays better. Ah, that is a good answer. <laughs> well, who does pay better? Well, uh, You've negotiated with both over the years, right? Um, no, so I don't know. It doesn't matter about the money. I think both cars seem to be uh, very well balanced. And it's beautiful to see that the, the drivers, like uh, the main protagonists, of course, at the moment, Charles and uh, Max, but they, they, they take these machines to the limit. They are on the entry, they can uh, kind of start to pre-rotate the cars and then it works out perfectly to the apex. And it's beautiful to watch, you know? I mean, there's real good machinery. But equally, we have to say is these new rules, they plan out to be pretty exciting because Barcelona is notorious for, for difficult races, for not following. And we had Max without DRS sometimes challenging um, a super strong uh, George Russell, or of course also- That was a great fight, amazing. wasn't it? What's Max Verstappen gonna do here? DRS, activated. Extra pace, accelerating into turn one. Max Verstappen, is he past George Russell? George Russell squeezes through on the inside. Verstappen tries to find him back. Now into turn three. Russell ahead by half a car length. Going around the outside of turn three. Verstappen leaves the track. Russell still ahead on the rundown into turn four. We've not seen too much between these two in terms of attack and defense before, but I am one that wants to see much, much more. I, I love this, this, this race because so much little technical details to it, which I, I'm sure we touch later. Overall, unfortunate, Natalie, as you say, really feel sorry for Charles. He's such a good boy, such a team leader now, uh, and he took it on the chin, but uh, with a little smile, I, I guarantee you tomorrow he'll be frustrated. But uh, Red Bull uh, took it home, and we have the situation where reliability is actually playing maybe the biggest part other than the individual performance. Why are these cars proving more unreliable this year? So I think one part is that they have to do weight saving because all the cars are heavy. So what do you do? You are minimizing sicknesses, you're minimizing dimensions, uh, you're taking maybe a little bit softer materials. So I um, kind of guess that the DRS issue of Red Bull is probably linked to just saving weight high up and on the rear end. Uh, but we have to ask the, the guys in Red Bull. Um, and then let's not forget the rules are new. Uh, while Stefan is super cool and very clever in simulating and testing and analyzing, well, thinking ahead, but now we can analyze that actually there is still uh, room for improvement with these new rules. They are surprised by some issues. Can I just pick him up on something he said a minute ago, Pinks? Ouch, ouch, Vertsy. You said Charles Leclerc is the team leader at Ferrari. And I think all of those Spanish fans that we can see in the grandstands will be going, oh no, oh no, is that really the case? Uh, well, the points say it, uh, and uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Carlos, Carlos Sainz. I go training with him when we meet in the summer, every summer in Mallorca. Good lad, you can never underestimate him. He will bounce back, but uh, a bit unlucky from uh, the beginning on. Now, Christian gave Checo a big hug, and rightly so. I mean, they need to be quite grateful to him for playing the ultimate team player today. I wonder, though, whether... It's a bit early in the season for team orders. 
I wonder if they should have let them race. I put that question to Checo and he said, well, actually it was a bit more than that because we were on different strategies, but you could sense that frustration. And he was keen to say, we need to talk. Well done, Checo. Thank you for that drive today. It was a very, very strong drive again from you. So thank you for playing the team game as well. Well done. Yep. No worries. We'll speak later, mate. Well, uh, yeah, he's fully right to talk. I mean, he's a mega team player. Um, to an extent, that some points I thought he's actually too easy uh, accepting some of the orders. Because you need to be a bit edgy. You need to put your elbows out. He proved for the team he was fighting for the World Championship in Abu Dhabi for Max Mega. Uh, today I felt it was right uh, to raise the voice. He executed as the team asked him. But, man, he came out with new tyres and he had to held back when actually the race was critical for him to use the new tire, the new rubber, for fast lap times. And at this point he had to stay back. So this is when you get cranky as a driver and uh, I've been in this situation and it's not cool. But give him credit, he executed. Uh, but rightly, he asks for, for his right as well, you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's good to see uh, in the end of the day. Nevertheless, he uh, had to accept the second position here behind Max. Now, Christian Horner called it a race of two halves for Max. I mean, it was kind of crazy over Team Radio. He was getting seriously frustrated, wasn't he, with the DRS issue that he was having to manage. And then that big gust of wind catching him out at turn four as well. And then in contrast, right at the end, just this the, the calm demeanor that he's just taken uh, a dominant victory and thanking his teammate because he knows he played a significant part in it. Yeah, very good job also for the team. Really good result. And also thank you to Checo. He's a great teammate. Well done, mate. Very sorry about that DRS today. I know we made life a bit difficult for you, but you had great pace and uh, yeah, great recovery after that moment at turn four. So uh, great one-two for the team. Made it a bit more interesting, at least. <laughs> he said after Miami, look, it's great, but we've got to raise our game and stop having all these little issues. And it's all kicking off now. OK, I saw Alex just uh, dodging a little bit of Red Bull that was flying into the energy station just then. Uh, we're going to get a very loud cheer just now. But this is a big weekend for them, and this is a really big moment in terms of the championship and the constructor, constructors as well as the... <laughs> I can't make me jump. I even knew it was coming. <laughs> Eight pinks, it's huge. Max Verstappen now leading the world championship. And, uh, and they're leading the constructors. Here we go. We're going to get... Oh, here we are. They're all running back in. It's all going pear-shaped here. There is sticky Red Bull. Uh, everywhere and of course here in come the pit boards that have got the drivers positions on them everyone is covered max just strolling back in he uh, yeah he's just wiping some of that red bull off his shoulder but i felt after the race although he was very frustrated of course with the with the, the technical issues and all that kind of thing he calmed it all down straight after the race in the press conference and it was all sweetness and light and we're going to grab Christian Horner and uh, let's just Adrian Newey first Adrian. of all. I'm going to sub in for Adrian Newey because I've got a flight to catch and anyway he's a much better person no, no, Adrian to always has to a, than me. a flight to catch when we, we grab him after the oh, race well, as well. I've actually got the debrief now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no point rushing out of here, you're not going anywhere with all the, the fans and the well, traffic yes, Adrian. Is that. Adrian look. First of all, um, look, many congratulations from all of us. Another one-two for the team. How good was your car today? How good was it? Difficult to know because obviously uh, we had a problem with the DRS with Max um, and then he had his, his little mistake in turn four when the gust of wind, which I think was ca catching quite a few people out in turn four. The, the wind was very gusty, as I say, and the cars are so wind sensitive. It's, um, you get a tailwind and 
they're driving on edge obviously it just gives them that little push on and they're in the dirt so that obviously is a setback and uh, Dag seemed okay to, to that point Charles then had his problem so I think it was always going to be a a race where Tardeg was going to be the deciding factor but because it kind of all went a bit awry quite early on for Max with his turn four incident and then Charles with his problem then we won't know. Well we won't know so this is a very hypothetical question I'm going to ask you now but had Leclerc kept going had Max not had those issues do you think we would have had a really tight fight in those closing laps between Leclerc and Verstappen? I think there's a high chance it would have been, yes, absolutely. I mean, in whose favour, I've got absolutely no, no idea. As I say, look, I'm pretty sure it would have been a kind of Tardeg battle and a, a battle of, of strategy. Um, Three-stop in the end was clearly the way to go. We were debating that, of course, as I'm sure all the other were, teams were before the race. Is it two-stop, is it three-stop? So there'd have been strategy and Tardeg would have been the deciding factors. And this DRS issue, is it specific to the wing that you were running here or is there something a little bit more fundamental that you guys need to sort out? The honest answer is we don't fully understand this at the moment. Um, we obviously had the problem on Max's last run in Q3 yesterday. We went through the car. We couldn't find anything particularly wrong. Um, we were worried that there was a, there was a small crack in the rear wing flap so we we put a patch over that on both cars um, but that was more precautionary it was not believing that, that was going to make any difference we don't we've got we've obviously now quarantine all the parts take them all back and try to understand it it then was uh, the DRS system one of the parts you maybe touched as well from the weight saving program no we haven't i mean it was new for this year with the regulation change of course um, but it's been the same from the first test we haven't made any changes to it as you say the the difference we have got of course is the rear wing itself which is the the higher downforce if you like monaco wing uh, whether that's responsible or not i wouldn't like to say at the moment Adrian, fantastic job. You're leading both world championships at the minute. I mean, it's going as good as it can go with the niggles that you've had. So you must be very confident as we go forward for the rest of the no, season. No, you can never be confident. I mean, it's, you know, we're six races down out of, I think it's 22 races now. So it's a huge way to go. It's, it's very tight. You've seen how quickly it can swing round. I mean, we, we had the same middle of last year with Silverstone and Hungary being a bit of a disaster for us. So it's way too early to to be confident all right well adrian look well done today huge congratulations from all of us and uh you're not dashing for your flight so enjoy the debrief and we'll see you in a week's time in monaco thank, thank you very you. much but see that's interesting when you hear adrian saying that the cars really are wind sensitive these big heavy cars of seven nine eight kilos and a gust of wind can make that much difference yeah, well, I felt it myself uh, and uh, I remember actually working with Adrian at uh, McLaren and uh, we had one car which was extremely wind sensitive, super fast uh, without the wind. And then the next year he came to me and says, hey, Alex, you're the first one to test the new MP4 17. And uh, I said, so how much more downforce have we got? He said, no, we don't have more downforce. I said, yeah, but Adrian, it's a new car, it's supposed to have more downforce. He said, no, straight line not, but in corners you will see it's much more stable. And uh, I mean, he's such a genius, you know. Uh, and the car was sensational in wind, in crosswinds, in Silverstone, in, the, in those high wind gusts. It was still glued to the ground. So I expect him going back to just 
check it out about your sensitivity, crosswind, tailwinds, because that uh, is quite a critical factor now with those cars. Everyone says Adrian's a genius, and obviously the proof is in the pudding. He's won so many races, so many championships, but what is the standout quality when you work with him as closely as you did at McLaren? <laughs> that he's a good guy. <laughs> he's a good guy. Uh, he's yeah. an absolute good guy. And of course, we as a, uh, F1 attract geniuses. Uh, uh, we have uh, different styles actually to it, you know. So there is the idea that you put a team together where you have the collective brain power giving a super cool product. Uh, Adrian is much more driven as him giving first visions and then having his team, of course, behind in Red Bull. They're a sensational team as well. So the collective brain power is there equally strong as at Mercedes or at now at Ferrari. But uh, his vision of where he wants to go and accepting that until I am at my point of vision, I am accepting deficits. I'm accepting um, reliability issues uh, and he just makes it stick. So we've just come outside of the Red Bull Energy Station now and the team principal Christian Horner is with us now. I get it. You either win or you retire. <laughs> it's not a good, uh, you know, it's not a good ratio, but, um, you know, great to get that third consecutive Grand Prix victory. Um, you know, after the first few laps, it didn't look like it was going to be possible. Jo uh, you know, George obviously getting ahead whilst we had an off at turn four, and uh, you know, Charles looked like he got the race under control at that at that point in time. But uh, you know, with the DRS issue that we had with Max, we decided to convert to a more aggressive three-stop strategy, and that really worked out. You know, today, and uh, you know, unlucky for for Charles and Ferrari with that retirement. But you know, we know how that feels. So. It was important for us then as a team to bank those points and maximize our score. What about that battle then between Verstappen and Russell? Made good viewing. Yeah. What was it like? The old, was the, the old leg jiggling away? It was a bit one-armed um, because, uh, you know, Max didn't have full use of a DRS. So, um, you know, George was getting his elbows out down at turn one on a few laps, but it was good racing. It was hard racing. And... Uh, I think this generation is, uh, the, you know, the Max or Charles or, you know, George, you know, Lando, they're, you know, they're, they're really exciting races and I think we've got many years of this to come. Yeah, I mean, that, uh, that's really good to hear. I fully agree with you. Uh, but talking about racing, could I touch the subject of Checo? Yeah. Uh, and uh, how do you feel about his race, especially at the point where you have to ask him to hold back? That's always a bit tough, but, you know, he was on a two-stop. Max, we converted to the three. We spoke about it in the briefing earlier that you know we might have to switch cars around today because you don't want to lose time with either of their races, um, and you know we had temperatures that were beyond all the limits that we'd seen. Uh, you know, oil and water. We got a DRS that was working intermittently. It made no sense, particularly when Max was on a tire that gave him up to a two-second lap time advantage to even think about letting the drivers fight each other today. Of, of course, at the point in time. When he's leading the Grand Prix, he doesn't see the overall picture, but uh, you know, he understood it very quickly, uh, I think, especially when he needed a pit uh, as well at the end of the race. Christian, do you see this championship being, of course, about speed, but also survival of the fittest? We're seeing so many reliability issues this year. Yeah, it's look, we're, everybody's pushing the boundaries and, you know, weight is crucial. So, you know, you're, we're on the limit e everywhere. and. Uh, that's not just us. That's you saw Ferrari today. You saw, I think, Mercedes. They had some issues, uh, you know, as well at the end of the race there. So it's just everybody being on the limit, and 
if you're not on the limit, you're not trying. On the limit is Formula One, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, we haven't seen the exact limits this weekend. So in qualifying, you had the DRS issue. You couldn't go again. Yeah. Uh, in the races, we had, of course, the issue uh, with uh, Leclerc and um, his engine. So I'm just curious to feel and now have a question to you is who had really the upper hand on the single lap, but uh, mainly more interested in the long run and tire management? I think we saw this weekend Ferrari had uh, the advantage over a single lap, but I think our deg was a little bit better in the race. If I look at Carlos's race, because we don't have the, um, you know, we don't have the, the, the ability to see what Charles could have done, but uh, I think our degradation looks stronger. And so it's a shame we didn't get that race between the two guys today. And how do you see that planning out now for Monaco, which is upcoming uh, in a few days? Totally different. Maybe some rain around and... I'm so, seriously? Yeah. Yeah, so from the early sitting here in 36 degree heat, we're all burnt and we're going to be raining in five it days' time. It will be, but that's Monaco. So, you know, Monaco's a bit of a one-off. It's a bit of a lottery. Uh, it's a very unique track. So, uh, but, you know, Charles is quick round there. Carlos is quick round there. Our drivers have, have, you know, a good track record round there. So, and the cars are very different this year. So it's going to be a big challenge. Best of luck. All the best. Well done today. Thanks, Christian. Now, you may have gathered that Natalie is no longer with Alex and me. She's had to go and grab a plane. So you've got me and Alex just for a bit. But what did you make of some of the stuff Christian was saying there, Alex? I mean, Christian is super eloquent. He knows what to say. Um, in the end of the day, he is the team boss. He has to tell Checo, uh, mate, you have to queue up. Uh, in this case, it was uh, clear he had to serve the number two role. And he's playing that really well. I am very appreciative of Jacob putting the elbows out. Alex and I are now chasing Andrew Shovlin uh, from Mercedes down the paddock. Look, first of all, where do we begin, Alex, with the Mercedes uh, weekend? Very simple, Chef. Um, so does it need an angry Lewis Hamilton to uh, get the lap times, which actually could have been Grand Prix winning uh, stuff? I, uh, I mean, the car's certainly working a lot better here. Um, and Lewis, yeah, Lewis did look like he had good race pace but it, it wasn't a race where you could drive it in an angry way there was so much overheating but for us I mean it was a mix of sort of misfortune for Lewis I think he could have had a very good race had he been up the front um, but overall just encouraging with the progress because we can we can do more of what we've done to hopefully improve it for the next few. Look, how much of a breakthrough shove have you made this weekend because of course George has been on the podium already this this year in, in Australia the gap to pole was about the same here as it was at the first race in yeah, Bahrain I think the, the way that that gap evolved though we, we were close to Verstappen through the lap and we overheated and lost a bit in the last couple of corners um, but I think the reality is to take this car and turn it into something that can challenge for pole and wins is far more achievable than what we've had up until this stage so the mood in the camp uh, mood in the camp's good um, more hard work to come though well keep done. pushing, keep pushing. Keep pushing. God, it's, it's exhausting seeing everyone just running for the airport, aren't they? Versus yes, but this is back-to-back -back stuff because it's not that they just want to get out of here. They want to get on with work. Uh, and it's crucial that you instantly go back, sit down, take the key information you get at this weekend and then translate it already into Monaco. Whilst Christian just said to us, Monaco is so different, it's still fundamentally laws of physics which govern our sport uh, and the performance. And they are in the nitty gritty details and they have to just now download, debrief and keep going. So that's why they're in a rush, not because they want to get away from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be that as well, of course. But I really sense from Shove just then that, you know, they have made a breakthrough. 
And uh, look, now that we just stood in the paddock here, grabbing everybody. Mario Isola, the boss at Pirelli, three stops. Is that what you're expecting going in? No, honestly, we were expecting two stops, but then uh, it was clear that uh, uh, starting on the soft, the strategy was going to be different. I believe that yesterday the idea of Charles to keep one set of soft new and maybe in the press conference he said it could be an option for the start of the race. Basically everybody was starting on the soft, that was not predicted. But it was good to see that uh, they've been able to manage the degradation and we had uh, a lot of action on the track where usually we don't have a lot of action. So yeah, from, from my point of view is I think you have a really big part of a better racing show now because whilst a driver still has to manage the tyre, uh, when it needed, they can push. Uh, and I think today I was equally surprised. Mario. Actually, I lost the bet, I lost the ice cream. I would have never thought them <laughs> starting on a soft tyre on the Barcelona race deck with such high tyre energies. But uh, I wanted to say well done on, on the product and you keep pushing for, for Thanks it. Thanks a lot. No, we, we have also some ideas for next year because obviously we never stop uh, developing the tyres and uh, now we are collecting data on these new cars that are different from the mule cars last year. And uh, yeah, we continue in this direction. Well done. Thank you. Congratulations. Hey, Thank you. tell me more about this ice cream that you bet. You're, you're a big betting man, clearly. No, I'm not. You know, I'm Austrian. <laughs> we, we, we don't <laughs> bet normally, but so I bet for two pound ice cream because I would have not imagined people starting on the soft tire compound here today because I thought you will then have to bid very early with 100 kilograms of fuel. But actually everyone did other than I think uh, Alonso or someone on the grid. Gosh, we've been told so many interesting things in the last five minutes. So it's quite difficult to know uh, where to go with it. I was actually just talking about Andrew and what Andrew Shovelin said to us, wasn't I, uh, when Mario Isola arrived. But I think Mercedes feel that this pace is genuine. Is that is that the message, your take-home message from this Grand Prix? Yeah, on the Friday I went to the track to have a look. I called uh, Toto from there. I said, hey guys. Your car is just looking much more settled. The drivers now look like they have confidence of throwing the car and rotating the car in. And I didn't see that before. So he said, ah, but we're still bouncing a little bit. I said, yeah, man, everyone is bouncing, but you have more confidence on the corner entry. And you know what is so fundamental about this? It's not that they've now been a bit closer. Uh, that's just a consequence, is that they can now believe in the process of identifying the issue and actually turning it around. Because imagine you're doing three, four attempts to turn a car around and you're not managing it. That throws you off your confidence. Then you start to question your ability, you start to question your process, you start to question your correlations. But actually this is very crucial for the team at the moment to have this little win, find this little extra bit of confidence that it works what they are thinking, what they are doing. You know, it's absolute one of the key moments and uh, key moments for the team management. And do you think this is a breakthrough race for Lewis Hamilton in the way that after his issue with Kevin Magnussen on the opening lap and he, and he had to, to pit, of course, he was then on the radio saying, guys, let's call it a day. Let's save the engine. His race engineer, Pete Bonington, encouraged him to keep going. And then, boom, look what he did. He was as high as fourth until they had to back off at the end. Lewis, this was sorry for the, for the temperatures at the end. That was an amazing race amazing race you were the quickest car out there best probably best race time uh would have would have gone for the win so amazing great work guys really happy with that result this is really positive for us all guys thank you so much for continuing to push these improvements really work this weekend let's keep pushing guys do you think he personally has made a breakthrough with this car this set of regulations do you think we're sort of seeing the fire and the lewis of old now 
or was it, has it been there all year? It's very hard to say. I'm sure the fire is there and he wants to, uh, to do well. But it was beautiful to see uh, that he actually put his head down when he was told to continue. And uh, the lap time's been uh, really sensational. Without the off, he could have battled for victories in terms of the net uh, race performance. And I find it very interesting that uh, Schoff didn't enter this conversation. But, uh, man, they were not really tire managing. He was just sending it. And uh, his uh, teammate was actually looking after the tires. So there's a big lesson for tire management in here as well. And Mercedes will dig very deep into this. Look, we're, we're talking uh, tyre management and the dad of Carlos Sainz is with us now. And I think it's apt because you actually gave out the, the Pirelli pole position lap yesterday. So you're the man to talk to about tyre management. Is that right, Carlos? <laughs> Hello, how are you? How big a weekend has this been for, for Carlos? I've seen the reception he's had everywhere. 121,000 people here at the track. Many of them, most of them, all of them supporting yeah. him. Just yeah. how's he dealt with all of that? Well, obviously, it has not been the weekend that he was dreaming and, and what he wanted. But uh, at the moment, he's going through a period that, uh, you know, I think he, he needs to, to really rethink and, and try to, to go step by step. Because obviously, when you are not comfortable with the, with the car, mistakes and pressure and things like that, the build up of the season hasn't been very smooth. And I think he, he has to, you know, try to set back and, and start uh, to build up the confidence again. What can you, with all of your vast experience in motorsport, do to help him? Or would you just leave him to it? Well, I think, uh, you know, obviously we, we in life, in motorsport, you go through difficult periods uh, and through good periods. I think uh, you don't need to exaggerate uh, when you are up, when you don't need to exaggerate when you are down. You just need to work hard, stay calm it's easy and and try to to stay focused and, and and try to think you know probably a little bit shorter time and just look in the next one and go step by step and don't obviously lose the confidence i know he's he's very capable and it's a matter of, of time to that he will understand uh, and he will adapt the car to his uh, style Carlos, my friend, most important question. Will you be in the summer in Mallorca? Of course. So we will meet you for cycling again. <laughs> of you know, course. Carlos is proper fit on the bike. We always with Pedro de la Rosa. No way, his son. no way. We these guys, good pushes. These guys, uh, they are really fit. I just go behind. <laughs> Carlos, you're one of those really annoying guys. He's good on a bike. Have you played him on a, Have you played him at squash, Alex? No, no, but I heard. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard? Is there anything you can't do? No, no, no. You know, I do everything bad, but I try to do everything and enjoy myself because life is, you never know, so I try to, to enjoy as much as possible and even still driving, so what can you say? <laughs> well, thank you very much and please send the regards to Carlos. I always mention you can never underestimate your son because he's a real fighter. I've yeah. seen it in thank racing you. and he will come back and we look forward to that. Thank you so much. Mentally so strong. Carlos, thanks so much. Let's just look elsewhere down the grid. I mean, we're standing outside the McLaren uh, motorhome. Of course, we're back in Europe, so it's all motorhomes uh, this weekend. What did you make of their upgrades this weekend, the performance of the car? Do you think they've taken a step forward? I mean, yes, Lando Norris squeezed into the points, but Daniel Ricciardo didn't have such a great race slipping back. Well, they have some of the up and downs. I think they started the season 
on a slight disappointing side from what they finished it uh, previously. Then had this enormous comeback, were super fast. So I think they don't fully understand the car as of yet. I think they're getting hints and, and uh, I think most of it is actually down to uh, tire management and having the tires coming in at the right time and working it out. Uh, when the front gets ready and the rear is ready, I think there's a few lessons for McLaren still to pick up and learn. And then, of course, improve. What about Alfa Romeo? Valtteri Bottas was running as high as third. I mean, it's well known on this pod that I am president and CEO of the Valtteri Bottas fan club. I think he's such a great guy. Hey, first up, can he beat you on the bike? Because, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Alex Wurtz, I have first-hand experience of this, is very, very strong on a bike. But so is Valtteri Bottas. You both live in Monaco. Who's better? Uh, now he's obviously better. Uh, I mean, uh, he he's, he's now together. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm fine. I'm now a bit too old. Uh, I run my business, so I don't have so much time anymore. But uh, Walter is top guy, um, super fit now on the bike. But moreover, he was super strong today in the Grand Prix. Of course, it didn't look as exciting when you saw him on television or when you maybe listened to a podcast or a radio because he was an alternative strategy. So he was then being chased by people with new tires when he was on uh, 23, 24 lap old uh, rubber. Uh, and therefore he had to do a passive race, but it uh, showed him up very high. He collected uh, very good points. We shouldn't forget that he had the engine blow up and lost a lot of practice time. So uh, it's a good package. He feels really comfortable in the team. Uh, Fred Vasseur loves him, uh, maybe equally as much as you do, um, if that's possible. <laughs> but uh, hey, it's good. Uh, Walter is a good guy, very calm, typical Finnish. And uh, I tell you, when he's on, he's on. Just very quickly, Mark, Mark Janay. Uh, Lamar Wiener, one of the greatest Lamar, uh, friends okay. I have. Together? <laughs> yes, Same together, car. Yes. Oh, man, How yeah. did that work? I'm just looking at you two. He, Alex, is so much taller than you. How did it work in terms of seats? Very simple. He sits on his big wallet and then has my size. <laughs> And that, that race, he was team principal and driver and everything, you know. So without him, I uh, would not have one. It was amazing. It was one of the best days of my life for sure, yes. Marginal, very quickly, obviously a disappointing end for Charles Leclerc, but do you, Ferrari, feel that you've taken a, a step forward this weekend with the upgrades you've bought? Yes, yeah, it's really, it's really hard to take. I mean, because, you know, he was dominating the weekend. So imagine, and we didn't expect that because his tire management was amazing. We did like 20 laps on the soft tire. We could we could only do like 10 on Friday, you know? So I'm very happy that he managed to find a good uh, window for the setup and everything. So those are the positives. Because after Miami, we were a little bit worried about tire management. After Friday here, we were very worried. And now we are very confident that the car is good. The new package is working very well. But uh, yes, um, so that's, there's a lot of positives for the championship. But today, you know, when you can win, because Max has two DNFs, but both times he couldn't win the race, you know? And you know, have a DNF when you can win the race, well, that's really tough to swallow, yes. So Mark, tell us, we don't have any listeners, so you can really be open and honest with us. <laughs> what uh, setup change did you find after Friday? Because it didn't look as good. And then Saturday in the morning, you did a semi-long run and it blew me away because you suddenly found amazing rear instability in the long run. Yeah, it was more, from what I know, it's more like right height. We were not working. Uh, we were not optimizing the new aero package, you know, so it's more of an aerodynamic. We, we managed to be really on the window and then also we went a little bit more towards having front grip. We, on Friday we were out of front tires, so we knew we had to have more, not, we couldn't have understeer at the beginning of the stint, which probably could explain why Carlos, you know, is struggling a little bit more because if you look at, on the onboards, it's always a little bit of oversteer, but yeah, it was just finding the right uh, 
window for the aer or aerodynamic and then finding a better balance to protect more the front tires. Frustrating end today, Mark. My money's on you lot for Monaco, right? Charles is really quick there. The car clearly has taken a step forward. No, I mean, looking ahead of Monaco, yes, we were fast in this last sector. Not, not mega, mega, but we were faster for sure than Mercedes and, and we were a little bit faster than Red Bull. And I think then their Charles will, should make the difference. So, yeah, won't be easy, but I think he's for sure one of the favorites, if not the favorite, yes. Great. Thank you, Mo. Thanks. I still can't get over how you two work the same car at Le Mans to win that Actually, race back in Actually, quite easy because uh, when you have a taller driver, he takes the big carbon shell and he has a seat insert. Significantly more difficult. I raced with Anthony Davidson uh, uh, and it was not an issue. Uh, it's very difficult if you're a similar size, but just slightly different proportion. Let's talk about Alpine now. They were very impressive. Ocon coming home, P7. Fernando Alonso, uh, took a power unit change uh, just before the race, so started at the very back, came in, came home in ninth place. That is a good racing car, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's a good Your racing old team driver. Too. Your old team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Still a few faces there, maybe not as fresh as they used to be, but neither is mine, so never mind. But oh, Fernando, but see, on, Fernando uh, did a really good race, uh, ending up where he ended up. I feel really sorry for him and his team because Man, was he strong in free practice. He put it on P5, I think. Uh, even with a heavier car, I put another 10 kilos on, he would have been still P5. So, genuine speed in this Alpine. And uh, they have a good buzz and a good feel in the team. So, I think he could be one of those guys in uh, Monaco to surprise. The thing is, with Fernando, right, he's, he's had this pace, particularly one lap pace, all season and I'd take us back to Australia where of course he was looking good for maybe even a front row start until he had that hydraulic issue ended up in the barrier qualifying here he tried to jump a bunch of traffic it didn't work out because Lando Norris muscle muscled him out the way and that completely ruined his lap ruined his qualifying session a man of his experience well, things happen, you know, it's it's a very dynamic world out there on the fast track and uh, not everything is under your control, even for such an experienced guy like he is. Okay, well look, Vertsi, just before you go, we just, with Sky F1's Paul Deressa, who does the driving? You two are driving back to Monaco now, who's got the car keys? I've got the car keys, my rental car, the insurance is on me, so there's no question I am driving, but uh, he will chat to me. Um, Keep you awake? I, no, I will not be tired, otherwise I would stop uh, and sleep because it's much safer. Uh, also, you should do that at home uh, because uh, safety is, of course, priority. But it's always good to chat uh, with Paul, he's my neighbor. We are running almost every morning. We see us on the school trips well, and uh, good time. Vertsi, can't, we can't go without just talking about Monaco 1998, right? Monaco Grand Prix next weekend. What should have been a second place finish for you in Monaco. And then uh, that pesky Michael Schumacher got in the way, didn't he? Massive shunt, not the biggest shunt of your career because that was in testing at Paul Ricard, but... Yeah, one that got away. Yeah, I mean, uh, I forgot this happened. It was still black and white TV, leatherhead racing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of so this. Uh, it was a good race. I was on the way to B2. We had good tyres, good management. And Michael was basically out of the pit stop window for me. So he was B4, B5. So he then uh, took advantage of me being stuck behind lapped cars. And I thought this, and I should have just let go. And I thought this moment, no, that I can't let that happen. You know, uh, you have to put your elbows out. So I re-overtook him. That made him so cranky. <laughs> and he admitted it after that he then uh, dived deep in, into another corner, damaged my rear suspension, 
and then uh, a little bit later it collapsed in the tunnel and I came out with no wheels. No wheels, spectacular shunt that was and of course there is no room at all in Monaco, is there anything, the smallest thing goes wrong and it ends up in the barrier. Well, look, it's going to be a great uh, Grand Prix in Monaco. Please join us uh, next Tuesday, just next Tuesday, for our review of that one. Uh, but for now, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great to get your insight. Thanks for having me and uh, speak in Monaco. And folks, thank you for listening wherever you are. F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios. See you next time.